We're going to be starting something new here at Word of Life Chapel. We're going to be giving out visitor bags to new families that come. Um, but in doing visitor bags, that's going to happen a little bit in the future here, um, we decided we would like to give you a gift as well. Um, we are very thankful for each and every one of you, for your support, for your lives, for your ministry, how you're involved at Word of Life Chapel. So we have a small gift for you. It's, it's a little Word of Life Chapel tote bag. Um, and inside the tote bag uh, is a Word of Life Chapel mug and also a Word of Life Chapel little magnet clip for your chips. Isn't that, aren't those always nice? I think I use that all the time. And this is, that's good and sturdy, so you know this one is not going to let your chips go stale, right? But that is not guaranteed, right in time for football season. Um, now, those are also going to be in the visitor bag, as well as a couple of other things, but um, these, these are what we'd like to give you this morning. Um, they're going to be out in the fellowship hall after the service, one per family. Um, they're, they're, they really are really nice. Um, but here's, here's, the, here's the caveat. Here's the little catch. There are three cards inside of each bag. These are invitation cards to invite someone to come to church with you. If you're going to take one of these bags, and we totally hope that you do, we ask that you give each of these cards to somebody different. Somebody that maybe doesn't come to Word of Life Chapel. Well, hopefully somebody doesn't come to Word of Life Chapel. Maybe somebody that you see at the grocery store or at the gas station that you're able to take and say, hey, I'd just like to invite you to come to my church on Sunday. This has all the information that they need to find out more about the church with the website and the, the service time, etc. Um, but in each bag, there'll be three invitation cards. So we ask that in taking a bag, you also decide to go and bless somebody else by, by inviting them to come with you to Word of Life Chapel. Again, those will be out in the fellowship hall. Choir practice. The adult choir will have practice today following the service. Um, new members are welcome to join, and that will be right up front, I believe, following the service. Um, we'd also like to extend our sympathies to Diane Bauer and family upon the passing of her father, Carl Nice, this past Tuesday. Let's open in prayer this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're so thankful that you are in control of all things. Lord, we ask this morning that you would move in this place. Father, let us hear your truth. Let us hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure all of you have been watching the news recently. And we're in tornado season, hurricane season. And uh, several years ago, we've, we've been flooded here quite severely several times. Several years ago, the church purchased a transfer pump, a three-inch transfer pump. It's up in the shed, and it runs on propane. The reason we got it propane is so the gasoline wouldn't become stale or the carburetor gummed up. And uh, we can also run it in our foyer out here to be safe of kind of fumes. But we got the thing, and several of us took it down to the Deppin Park and threw it, the, the hose in the river, and, and we had an awful time getting that thing started. Now, now you know if, if propane and a spark are at one place at the same time, something's going to happen. And evidently, it wasn't happening. So this past week, I uh, contacted uh, Bolig, the people we get propane from, to see where to take it to get it checked out, to see why it's hard to start. <clears throat> they had no information for me, so I called uh, 
good old valley egg and turf up there and talked to Tony. He said, bring it up. So they worked, uh, they checked it out this week. There's nothing wrong with the pump, but there's a process, a procedure where you have to go through to get it started. And we wasn't following the procedure. <coughs> this coming Saturday at nine o'clock, we plan to set up the whole system because one of these days we may have to use it. The whole system that will be out here in the foyer from the basement to the exhaust down the, on the drive. We plan to set that all up. <coughs> And then Charlie Bechtel is going to be here at 9 o'clock to show us how to start what the procedure is. <coughs> I'd like to invite, <coughs> excuse me, I'd like to invite all you men that possibly can to be here just to learn the procedure. I'd like if the pastor would have a list of men that in an emergency he can call that knows something about starting this, this engine and setting the whole, uh, whole system up. I think it would be very helpful to the pastor if he could do that. And I, I, if, you, if you're not even interested in the thing, come anyway so that you can instruct or help instruct somebody else. Uh, you won't necessarily have to pull a rope, but uh, just learn the process or the procedure to start the engine. Nine o'clock this coming Saturday. Uh, we may even have some donuts and coffee for you. So uh, I'd like to see you there. Okay, now will you take your hymn book and turn with me to hymn number 240, Marvelous Grace of our loving Lord, and the only thing that we can say about grace is that it's marvelous. So 240. <coughs>
couple of updates on our prayer list, if you would uh, like to turn there, please. And by the way, I tr do try to share updates. Uh, and I would ask that if uh, you have placed this name on the list to give us updates. Uh, sometimes these uh, names um, are on the list and they're the same, inform same information for weeks and weeks, if not months and months uh, after they're given to us. So if you have updates, please let us know so that we can inform and pray better uh, about the situation. So a couple things were shared with me this week. Paul Shore, um, there under loved ones and friends. This is Betty Howe's friend. Continue to pray for his health issues as they continue to fail. Uh, so please pray for Paul Shore. And we took off Tom Bordner. Uh, Steve asked me to do that. But in the next couple of days, he says, please put my brother back on because uh, they found a tumor on his bladder. Uh, so Tom Bordner is not on the list, but we'll get him on for next week. But they did find now a tumor on his bladder. So as I said, um, please help us uh, to be more informed by giving us updates. Call Debbie, um, text me. Um, it would help us to be able to pray uh, much more intelligently. And we do need to pray, of course, for the victims uh, in Houston uh, the victims now down south, as you all are well aware, as Irma is coming up through uh, the state of Florida. Father, as we come before you this morning, we are a grateful people. We are grateful, Lord, that you have, by your grace, you have saved us from our sins. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that is ours through the blood of Jesus Christ. For it is only through Jesus that we, Father, can have a relationship with you. Father, it's only through Jesus that we can come before you this morning. The Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And so, Father, we approach you through him. I thank you this morning, Lord, for the fact that we can call upon your name that we can pray for one another. Father, we've been looking at the need that we have to forgive one another. But Father, there are so many one another's in the Bible. And one of those is, is that we are to bear the burdens of one another. That we are to pray for one another. That Father, we are to come before you on behalf of one another. What a privilege is ours to be able to take people and place them at the throne of grace. And so, Father, we bring before you Paul Shore. Father, we know that he's not doing well at all. Uh, Father, we know that we, we've seen him in church a few times, and Father, it's always good to see him, but Father, his health is failing. And so we bring him before you. We pray, Lord, that you might touch him. We think of Steve's brother, Tom. And Father, here's a, a name only. Probably most of us have never met Tom. But Father, again, a brother of one who we know. And so we pray for Tom now. We pray that, Father, somehow you would work in removing the tumor from this bladder. Father, we pray that you might work in his heart. Uh, draw him to you, Father, in whatever need that might be. Father, we think of those down south. We think of those, Lord, who will be 
on this very day whose lives will be dramatically changed, homes will be destroyed, lives will be lost. Father, we commit this event to you. Father, I know we often think at times when things like these occur, Father, are you not trying to wake up America? Are you not trying to get people's attention? Are you not trying, Lord, for people to call upon you? I pray, Lord, that in all of this, and we know the hurt and the pain and the suffering that will take place, that you might be glorified. Father, I think of the Bauer family as well, Diane and others, Lord, who have lost a father. I pray, Lord, that you might bring the comfort that is yours to bring. The Bible says you're a God of all comfort. And Father, where what we cannot do as human beings, you are able to do. You are able to bring a peace that passes all understanding. I pray that that might rest upon the nice family. Again, Father, we thank you for our time this morning. This is the time that you've given to us. This is the one time during the week, Lord, when we come together like this as a complete body of Christ to worship you in spirit and in truth. And my prayer this morning is that our hearts might be changed. That, Father, as a result of our time here this morning, with the prayers and the singing and the fellowship and the teaching of your word, that, Father, we might be a little more like Jesus when we leave this place. For, Father, that is our desire. That's our goal. To be holy as you are holy. Father, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. But I pray as a result of our time during this hour that, Father, we might move a little bit more to be like you. So we're thankful that you brought us together. What a great time it is. Bless us richly, for, Father, we have come to praise and to honor you. Be glorified in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us. We continue to worship you. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. And all come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord Sing, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't He wonderful? Sing, Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before Lord of all, sing hallelujah, Christ is Satan should buffet. 
Oh. 
cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and he died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that curse. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down. The entrance sealed by heavy storm, Messiah still and all. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing Your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore for endless days. Oh, Chorus one more time. Oh, praise the Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore for endless days. We will sing your praise, oh Lord. Great singing this morning. Would you take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name? Yeah. 
allowed to quiet him down. You can, he said you can start, but just play loud enough so they know.
Thank you so much for that, ladies. You know, the greatest need of mankind today is the forgiveness of sins. And that forgiveness, of course, was provided in the blood of Jesus Christ. But not only is there a need for forgiveness between God and man, but there's also a need for forgiveness between man and man. As God has forgiven us, so we are to forgive others. Forgiveness is so important to God that he wrote an entire book on forgiveness and reconciliation. It's not a long book. It's only one chapter. But nevertheless, it's a book. It's the book of Philemon. Last week, we looked at the character of Philemon. Let me give you some background information before we go any further. In the book of Philemon, Philemon was the master, and he had a slave. The slave's name was Onesimus. And Onesimus, one day, he decided to steal from his master and run away from his master, and he ran to a place called Rome thinking he could start for himself a whole new life. But in Rome, he met the Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison, under house arrest, and yet he had contact with people. And one of those was Onesimus. We're not told exactly how that unfolded, but at some point, Paul shared the gospel with this slave. And Onesimus became a Christian. And he became very useful to Paul. Paul, being under house arrest, could use an assistant, could use someone who could help him in different areas. And Onesimus became that help to Paul. But Paul knew that it was not right to keep this runaway slave. The right thing to do would be to send him back to his master which is what he does. And he writes this letter. And he says to Philemon, forgive him. He has wronged you. He has stolen from you. He has run away from you. But you, Philemon, now must forgive him. And that's the story. You know, when you hear of the word forgiveness... I know oftentimes we say to ourselves in church, boy, you know, I just wish my boss would be here to hear this message. I just wish that my neighbor across the fence, they could be here to hear this message on forgiveness. I just wish my spouse was here. Maybe he or she is, but you're saying to yourself, listen to this message. But you know what? You're here. God brought you here this morning. And I believe that this message is for all of us. Because I believe that most of us have been hurt or wronged by 
the actions or the speech of someone else. I believe we're all put in that position that we need to forgive others. Or we need to accept the forgiveness from another. The choice is each of ours. Forgiveness is not something someone can do for us. Forgiveness is a choice we need to make. We need to let go of bitterness. We need to let go of the thoughts of getting even or being revengeful. We need to let go of resentment. And when we do that, it's not as though we're saying, I wasn't wronged, or we're denying that something was done wrong to us, or we're even excusing the action. We're just willing to let go. Last week, we looked at the character of Philemon. This morning, we look at the actions of one who forgives. So I would invite you to take your Bibles once again and turn to the little book of Philemon. It precedes the book of Hebrews. It comes after the book of Titus. Philemon, verse 8. Not chapter 1, verse 8, or there's only one, one chapter in this little book. Philemon 8. Therefore, now we'll come back to that. That's one of those connecting words, right, to the preceding section. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner... Welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So after Paul describes the character of this man Philemon, after he describes the deep Christian godly faith of this man, Paul now gets to the main matter. And that's the matter of Onesimus. He hasn't mentioned the name up to this point. But now he mentions the name Onesimus in verse 10. 
So let me mention this morning three things that forgiveness involves. Three things that forgiveness involves. First of all, forgiveness involves reception. Forgiveness involves reception. We have in this story a runaway slave. A runaway slave who is returning now to his master. How will Philemon accept him back? Forgiveness involves reception. I spoke of the word therefore in verse 8. It is that connecting word that um, refers to what was said previously. And what we said last week was that uh, Philemon was a man of faith. Philemon was a man of great love. It says that he had a great love for the saints. All of the people of God, not just certain ones, but Philemon had a great love for all the saints. He was a man of great hospitality. And he actually opened his home that the church might come and worship God. And so, therefore... Verse 8, because Philemon is this man of faith with great love, Paul says, even though I could have used my authority and demand you to forgive, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of your love. I know how much you love the saints. And I appeal to you on the basis of that love that you receive Onesimus back into your home. You know, people can motivate in different ways. When I was working for the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation, I had two bosses, complete opposites in the way they would motivate us to get work done. One man's name was Ray Tilmont, and the name itself says it all. (laughs) He was a man who was harsh. He was a man who demanded you obey him. He was a man who no one would sit down and like to eat lunch with. Then there was another man, Woody, kind of says it all as well. Woody was a man who was kind. Very loving. And he would motivate, unlike Tilmont, in a loving way. And he was the guy that everybody wanted to be around. Paul said to Philemon, I've got the authority. I am, by the way, the Apostle Paul. But I know who you are. And I want to motivate you to forgive Onesimus on the basis of your love. Now, it is true that Paul did use his authority in sending Onesimus back, but Onesimus was a man who was used to commands, right? Being the slave of a master. So I'm I'm not asking you, I'm sending you back. But Philemon was a man of great love. And so he's going to motivate Philemon on the basis of, of that love. I'm sending him 
to you. So how do we know if Onesimus is sincere? If Paul uses authority with Onesimus to send him back to his master, how do we know that his asking forgiveness is sincere? Well, we know a few things about Onesimus from this text. First of all, we know that he was repentant. Repentance means to change your mind. Remember, he ran away, and now he's on his way back. He did a 180. He became a Christian under Paul's ministry, and now he turned around, and he's headed back toward his master. We know he was transformed. We read in verse 11 that he had a before and an after. Paul says, formerly... He was useless to you, but now, having become a Christian, he is useful not only to me, but also to you. It's interesting, there's a play on words here, because the name Onesimus actually means useful. It was a common slave name, because a master who's buying a slave would, uh, would want for that slave to be useful. But Paul is saying here, he wasn't very useful to you formerly, he stole from you. He ran away from you. But now, everything changed. He has been transformed by the gospel. And now, he is not only useful to me, but also useful to you. He's finally living up to his name. And we know that he's faithful. Paul says in verse 12, Who is my very heart? Paul loved this man. Paul wanted to keep him around. He knows Onesimus could have been of a, a great help to him. But he knew that he would be a great help to Philemon as well. And so sending him back was the only thing Paul knew he could do. He was asking Philemon to receive him to love him, and to forgive him. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. And you know, apart from always being the right thing to do, I was reading a study of, uh, by Mayo Clinic, and it listed a few things that um, when you forgive someone actually helps you physically. You know, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the physical, it's all interconnected. Mayo Clinic says if you forgive, you'll live under less stress. You won't be as anxious. Your blood pressure will lower. You'll have fewer problems with depression. You will have higher esteem. And the list goes on. So even apart from being the right thing to do, Physically, <laughs> it is a good thing to do. The second thing I see forgiveness involves is re restoration. Restoration. Paul did not ask Philemon to forgive Onesimus or to free Onesimus of, of slavery, but he urged him to receive him back as, as, as more than a slave, but as a dear brother. You see, he really was transformed. But the relationship now is broken. And it has to be restored, put back together. That's the goal in forgiveness, 
It's restoring a broken relationship. It's bringing restoration. It's bringing reconciliation. And I think there's another reason why reconciliation needs to take place in the life of these two men. They're going to be in the same household. In Colossae, they're going to be in the same church. Can you imagine the testimony that the world would, as they would look at the church in Philemon's house, if here are two Christians at odds with one another, for the sake of the church, they needed to reconcile. There's a song we sing, they, they know we are Christians by our love. As people look at the church in Philemon's house, they need to see the harmony, the reconciliation of these two Christian men. Oh, Onesimus was wrong. He was wrong in running away. He was wrong for stealing. And now he's going back to confess and ask Philemon to forgive him. And in turn, Philemon had to live out God's love of forgiveness. There's an interesting phrase in verse 15. It says this right in the beginning. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little. Perhaps, Paul says. Perhaps. Perhaps one of the reasons that, 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 that Onesimus was separated from you Philemon, I want you to notice what it does not say. It does not say, perhaps he separated himself from you. Now we know that he did, right? We know he ran away. We know he stole. We know he left his master's house. He did that himself. But Paul is reading something more than that in this verse. He was separated. That's passive. That's not active. You know, there's a difference between active and passive. If I say, he punched you, you got punched, right? Wait, let me try to figure this out. You know, I, I think I taught this once before and I kind of got confused how this all works. If I say, he punched, that means you get the black eye. He punched. But if I say he was punched, then he gets the black eye. So in passive, you're an innocent bystander. You're not doing anything, and you get punched. On the other hand, if I say you punched, you're active. You're the one that took your fist and closed it, and you're the one that hit someone else. It doesn't say Onesimus separated himself. It says he was separated he's passive in verse 15 and what paul is suggesting is is providence that god's hand is in all of this that yes it's true onesimus stole onesimus ran but behind all of that was the hand of god god's sovereign hand that was involved in all of this Paul sees providence in verse 15. Paul is suggesting 
that God used the wrong, the sin of Onesimus, to bring about a greater good. And one of those reasons was that he will separate from you for a little, but he's going to come back to you forever, not as a slave, but now as a brother. Remember Joseph in the book of Genesis? Joseph was a, uh, had 11 brothers, and he had a dad named Jacob, and uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved the other brothers, and um, therefore the brothers hated uh, Joseph. They were jealous of Joseph, and they decided, we're going to get rid of this brother of ours. We don't want him around anymore. And so they sold him into the hands of the Egyptians. And down in Egypt, you remember Joseph, uh, he was under the Pharaoh, and he was elevated to a place of great authority where he had control over the whole land. The only person who was greater than Joseph was the Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh had a couple of dreams, and uh, Joseph, he interpreted those dreams. The one dream uh, Joseph interpreted as the land of Egypt is going to be under, uh, have, have seven years of great abundance, where the crops are just going to grow like wildfire. But then after the seven years of abundance, there's going to be seven years of famine, where there'll be nothing. And so Joseph, being the wise man that he was, uh, he decided that during the seven years of abundance, we're going to store up all of this grain so that we have th something to eat during the seven years of famine, which is what he did. So now, after all, uh, after all of that, these brothers come down, and finally there's this meeting between Joseph and his brothers. And Joseph looks at the brothers who did him wrong, who sinned against him, and what did Joseph say? Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Why? To accomplish what is now being done, and that is the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me, and they did. They were wrong. But Joseph said God's hand was in all of this. And God was able to bring a much greater good out of your wrong and out of your sin. You know, the Bible says that the wrath of man, or, uh, God is able to bring about good and praise even in the midst of the wrath of man. And so the many lives that were saved were, think of the Israelites during those seven years of famine that were saved. Think of the Egyptians. Think of all the nations that came down to, to Joseph. All of those lives that were saved. And so here what we have, Paul says, perhaps the reason he was separated, perhaps he wronged you, Philemon, perhaps he sinned against you, was for several reasons. Number one, he gets saved. A life is saved as a result of being separated from his master. But not only that, we have other reasons. Uh, he was of great service to Paul. Paul found him to be a, a great help. Um, and all, think of the, 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 the souls that would come to Christ through the witness of this man Onesimus. Think of the slaves he'd be able to reach for the sake of the gospel. And so perhaps, Paul says in verse 15, he was separated. See, providence. 
the sovereign hand of God, even in the midst of pain and hardship and suffering. And Philemon was experiencing suffering. Maybe financial loss. He lost a slave. Maybe he had to go and purchase another one to help with the, with the duties at home. Philemon did suffer hardship, but God was able to bring a greater good out of all of that. All the more reason for Philemon to forgive Onesimus because God's hand was in all of this. The last thing I see that is involved with forgiveness is restitution. Restitution. Paul finally gets to his request in verse 17. He says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Welcome him just as you would welcome me. And then he says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. The Bible teaches restitution, being involved with forgiveness. There's a couple of verses back in the book of Numbers, and um, they say this. Say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done. Add a fifth of the value to it and give it to all the person, give it all to the person they have wronged. It's John MacArthur in his book on the book, in his book on Philemon says this. Restitution is an essential component of forgiveness, and it would have been right for Paul to demand it of Onesimus. It would have been right for Paul to have said, Onesimus, you have to go back and pay off your debt. You stole something from him. You took something from him. You go back and you pay it off. But Paul didn't say that. Paul said to Philemon, listen, if Onesimus owes you something, put it on my tab. Paul was so concerned and so wanted for these two men to come together. He didn't want for some kind of payment to be involved in their reconciliation. So Paul said, if there's a price to be paid here, let me take care of that. What a marvelous picture of the work of Christ at Calvary. And everyone sees that in this uh, picture that's painted here. Um, think, for, with this, uh, think about this for just a moment. Think of Philemon. All right, Philemon, like God himself, has been wronged. The Bible says that we've all sinned against the holy God. That God has given us his law. He's given us his standard, and we have violated his standard. We have violated the law. We have wronged a holy God. Think of Onesimus. Like the sinner, he stood in need of forgiveness and reconciliation. Like you and I and all of mankind, we who have sinned against God, we stand in need of forgiveness and reconciliation. And Paul, like Jesus... He was willing to pay the price of forgiveness 
and reconciliation. So the debt that I owed God, and we all owed God that we could not pay, Jesus stood in our place, and he paid the price with his blood at Calvary. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. It's interesting because in this whole book, that is entirely about forgiveness. The word is never used. The word forgiveness is not used in this entire book. And yet it's clear what Paul is asking Philemon to do. And we are given solid, timeless principles in how to restore broken relationships. They're all in here. Life is about relationships. Life is all about relationships. A relationship with God. We are to love God with our heart and soul and mind. And we're also to love our neighbors as ourselves. Life is about relationships. So let me mention three lessons which probably are quite obvious, I hope, as we come to the end of this sermon. The first lesson is this. If you are wronged, you must forgive. That's so obvious that's, that, that it, it almost needs not be spoken. If you are wronged, you must forgive. You are never more like God than when you forgive. Secondly, when you do something wrong, you need to make it right. When you do something wrong, you need to make it right. True repentance requires that you do everything in your power to make things right. Now, you can't control someone else. We know that. But everything in your power to make something right, we are to do. Someone said, reconciliation, it's not always possible. There are some people who just don't want to be reconciled. They just don't want to be restored to that relationship. But what is in your power, what you are able to control, you need to make things right. And then finally, and I look at Paul in this situation, when you know of two who are at odds with one another, be a peacemaker. Paul was so concerned that these two come together. Paul did everything in his power to bring about reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. He used his influence over both of these men to soften their hearts. He stepped in and did what he thought he could do. I think most of us fit into one of these three categories. Either we need to forgive We need to make things right, or we could be a peacemaker. So I leave the choice with you. What will you do? Father, we come and thank you for these timeless, priceless lessons. Lord, you have given us so much and have instructed us how we are to live as a Christian, as a godly man or woman. Father, this is often easier said than done. 
when we speak about forgiveness and going to someone and trying to make things right. But Father, it's the right thing to do. It's what you've instructed us to do. It's the biblical thing to do. So help us to do what we can do to reconcile ourselves to others, to reconcile others to each other. For Father, the church needs to be united. So we thank you, Lord, for the lessons that we've learned this morning. Help us now to go from here and do what we know we need to do. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hymn number 461, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Let's stand together, 461, and we'll sing these four stanzas as we close. place i pray that you would help us walk into the walk in the footsteps of jesus may we follow him and go where he wants to take us father help us give us the strength give us the energy give us the boldness to be able to be able to do just the right thing and oh lord keep us close to one another we thank you for the relationships that we have Father, don't allow those to be broken. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.